Good morning. How you doing today? All right, you look good out there. Hey, open your Bibles this morning to Acts chapter 2. Acts chapter 2, I really am glad to see you today. Those down front, those in the middle, those up high. Really glad to see everybody in church. Going to look at Acts chapter 2 today, and then a little bit later, I'm going to look for just a moment at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Acts chapter 2 and 1 Corinthians chapter 12, if you want to go ahead and, and turn there. I'm going to talk to you this morning about connecting, because this is Connect Sunday. Next weekend, we launch our next new term of Connect Groups. So today we're going to be having a, a Connect Group Expo after the service, after both services, give you a chance to get introduced to Connect Groups, the leaders, the different topics, and so on and so forth, and get you involved in what God's doing through Connect Groups here at the church. So before we dive into God's Word, let's just pray for a moment and ask God to open our hearts, okay? Father, thank you for the work of your Spirit. Thank you for what you're doing in people's lives. Thank you for the way you're using people to touch other people. We give you praise for it. Now we just ask for the next few moments that you would open up our hearts to receive from your word, that you would touch our lives and help us to see things we need to know that will shape us forever. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, as I look back at my life, I have to say that to a great extent, my life is a product of relationships. Now, it's also true that my life is a product of choices, but my life, to a great extent, is, is a product of people who have influenced my life, people, many of whom are godly people, who helped walk me in the right direction at a young age, you know, starting with family, and then church people, peers in different age groups, right on into adult life, relationships that I made, people who helped me walk in a right direction. And as I look around the building this morning, from the front rows, all the way back to the back, as far as I can recognize faces, I see people who have influenced my life and who continue to influence my life in very positive ways, speaking into my life, encouraging me, giving me words and nuggets of wisdom and words and nuggets of direction, things that they see, things that they, they feel, things they're dealing with. It's interesting how God has created us to be in relationship. You know, I've been thinking about this a lot lately, so I need to get this off my chest. You know, when, when God created man, we don't know what the, the period of time was, but God created Adam in the garden. And after some period of time, God kind of looked down and said, you know what, it's probably not a good thing that man be alone. How many women realize it's not a good thing for a man to be alone very long? But, you know, I've said that before, but, but what I've been thinking about is, you know, I, I think if God had created woman first, that after some period of time, he'd look down and said, you know, it's not good that woman would be alone. How many men could say amen to that? You say, well, what are you getting at? You trying to start a fight in my family today? No, that's not what I'm doing. The, the point is this. God did not create us to do life alone, but God meant for us to be in relationships, plural, that would feed into our lives, that would bless our lives, and in turn that we could be a blessing to other people. You know, as I oftentimes say, one of God's greatest gifts are friends. It's friends. But in order to have godly friendships, we have to open our hearts and our lives 
to people. Proverbs 18, 24 says, if a man's going to have friends, he has to be friendly. Got a few Bible scholars in the house. If you want to have friends, you got to be a friend. You got to be friendly to people to open the door to have these relationships. Now, look, if you would, at Acts chapter 2. I want to read three verses out of Acts 2. First of all, verse 42. This is on the day of Pentecost, after the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. 3,000 people were added to the church in one day. Three, everybody say 3,000. 3,000 were added to the church in one day. And then here's what follows afterwards, verse 42. And they continued steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in prayers. Let's get down to verse 46. It says, so continuing daily with one accord in the temple and breaking bread from house to house, they ate their food with gladness and simplicity of heart. Now, now pause there just a moment because I want to comment on this. What happened was on the day of Pentecost and then afterwards, as God began to build and develop this early church, we see that people adjusted their lifestyle to line up with what God was doing among people. Let me say that again. People adjusted their lifestyles to meet what God was doing in their lives and in the lives of other people because what happened was they committed themselves. And there's four things written here in Scripture. They committed themselves to the apostles' teaching, which was sound scriptural doctrine upon which they could build their lives and see their lives flourish. Second of all, the apostles' fellowship, which means godly relationships, relationships that they learned how to do watching church leaders. The apostles' fellowship, show, learning and showing how to do life to other people in a godly manner. The third thing talks about the breaking of bread. From house to house, they ate meals together. They hung out. They went to Starbucks. They went to McDonald's. They went to Burger King. How many are on board yet? They went to Lucille's for barbecue. They went to P.F. Chang's. They went for Thai food. They went for Indian food. Okay, they went to Richie's Diner, for those of you who are, who are back there, okay? I mean, they found places to go hang out. They went from house to house. And, and now get this picture. Get this picture. It's not like, think about it, day of Pentecost, 120 people in the upper room, spills out into the streets. In one day, 3,000 people are added to the church. It's not like 3,120 people plus their kids are going from house to house. They're not having progressive dinners, okay? They're not going from house to house together. They're going to separate homes. What do we see? We see a picture of connect groups. People are beginning to connect and they're realizing, you know what? God wants to be involved in our lives, not just on Sunday, but every single day. So let's do life together and let's see what God will do in our lives collectively. And then verse 47 of Acts 2 says this, they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. I get this picture. So they start doing life together. They're hanging out together. They're sharing meals you know, they're, they're visiting with each other. They're, they're speaking into each other's lives. And then more people are getting saved. And what do they do? They assimilate them into the process. And the church grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. Now it says they continued in the apostles' doctrine, in their fellowship. 
they continued going along, breaking bread, and then it says they continued in prayers, plural, prayers. What they were doing was, in lifestyle, they were pulling God into the middle of everyday life and all the challenges and all the problems they were facing in those days. Now, I know what some of you are thinking, yeah, but these guys weren't going, jumping into their chariots and driving to San Diego to work every day. They weren't driving to Orange County in their chariot to work every day. They weren't spending two hours in the traffic every day. And they weren't getting their kids to tennis, and they weren't getting their kids to dance, and they weren't getting their kids here and getting their kids there, and then we weren't going here and doing this. Listen to me. What I'm telling you is, in the early church, they adjusted their lifestyles to allow God to work in their lives on a daily basis. And I think we can learn something from that today. What do you think they learned those four things? What do you think they got those disciplines? What do you think that came from? I think the apostles learned it from Jesus. I think the apostles learned it from Jesus because Jesus was busy throughout his years of ministry, connecting people with God and then connecting people with people. Read the Gospels. Read the ministry of Jesus. It's Jesus and people, Jesus and people, Jesus and people. And some of you are saying, yeah, but you know what? That's what Jesus came for. What do you think you're here for? To be a hermit? To hide on an island to yourself? No, we're here to do life with people. And you know what? People make us grow. And in the ministry of Jesus, the apostles saw this. And in the early church, it developed. It's about God and people, God and people, God and people. And when we stop being about God and people, we cease to be the church. Because the church is here to continue the works of Jesus. You know, I was, I was thinking about, about this this week. Jesus' whole life and ministry was just about people and relationships. The first thing he did when he started his ministry was to choose disciples. Now, some people say, well, the only reason he did that was because he needed to train people for the future. Well, I realize that was part of it, but he had to touch their lives first before they could touch other lives. And then it began to spread from there. Scripture said he had 12 disciples. Some were fishermen. Several of them were fishermen. There was at least one in there who was an accountant type, you know, tax collector type guy. And then, of course, there was one who was kind of the upper crust of society. He was from the more, you know, uh, elite people. His name was Judas. He wound up betraying Jesus and killing himself. Jesus was surrounded with all kinds of people. But the 12 grew to 70 disciples. And on the day of Pentecost, there's 120 in the upper room. On different occasions, Jesus ministered to probably 20,000 people at one time. I mean, Jesus was about people. But I want you to notice a couple of things in, from the life and ministry of Jesus. Remember the night that Jesus was about to lay down his life and he calls his 12 disciples together in the upper room and they have what we call the Last Supper? Remember that, that, that scene? It's interesting, when you go and look at the words of Jesus, here's what Jesus said. Jesus said to them, with fervent desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. I want you to see this. See, I think some of us see Jesus as a robot. Jesus was this God-man, you know. He just kind of roboted around and, you know, he was a machine. He was emotionless. Jesus had emotions like everybody else. He was 100% God, but he was 100% man. 
He was God in the flesh. But Jesus is alone with his disciples. He's about to go die and lay down his life and be crucified. And he turns to his disciples and he says, I have this fervent desire inside. I want to eat this Passover with you and I want to share this time with you because this is going to give you a picture of what my life is all about. He wanted to share that with people. He wanted to share, listen, listen closely. He wanted to share a spiritual experience with those who were closest to him. And I think sometimes we miss some really valuable experiences because we don't have time to hang out and share spiritual time with friends and family. We're too busy. Another time, a few hours later, Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. And Scripture tells us he took his disciples, but he, he stopped there and he, and he left eight of them there. Judas had already departed. He left eight of them there. Or, yeah, left eight of them there. And he takes Peter, James, and John. And he goes over and says, you guys come and watch and pray with me. And Jesus begins to become sorrowful. He knows he's about to go die in just a few hours. His sweat becomes blood. Blood begins to ooze through the pores of his forehead. This heavy sorrow and grief is upon him. He begins to pray, Father, strengthen me for this moment that I can do your will. And he goes back and his disciples are asleep. All he wanted was for them to be there, to be supportive and to stand with him. And I think we can maybe stop for a moment this morning and realize there are going to be times in life when you need people to stand with you. There are going to be times in life when people around you are going to need you to stand with them. Jesus said to those guys, couldn't you just be with me and hang out and support me for just one hour? Have you ever felt that way? Have you felt like, where is everybody? If I could just have some companionship and support for just one hour, just one hour. If we're going to have that kind of support, we have to be willing to give that kind of support. And, and I think what the one thing today above all else that I want to drive home to you is that we need each other. We need each other. It's gotten really quiet in here this morning. I'm not sure what I said. Maybe it was the husband-wife thing. Maybe you're still, still thinking about that. What would it look like if my husband was alone? What would it look like if my wife... I don't know where you're stuck, but listen closely. Stop and look around this building this morning. Just look around. We need each other. Let me do it this way. I need you. I need you. You need me. Look to the left of you. See that person? Come on, look to the left of you. See that person over? Come on, look to the left. Well, for you all, it's that way. For me, it's that way. <laughs> look to the left. You need that person. Look to the right. You need that person. Look in front of you. If you're in the front row, that'd be me. Look in front of you, you need that person. Look over your shoulder, both shoulders, see the person behind you, you need them. 
Listen closely to me. This is how God designed Christian life. We need each other. We need. Everybody say, need. We need each other. Turn, turn to somebody. Say, I need you. If you're all by yourself, look at somebody down the row. I mean, if it's, you know, if it's some guy that looks weird or something, you don't have to, you know. <laughs> look around, find somebody you're comfortable with and say, I need you. I mean, this is a great, great, great place to find a wife, you know. <laughs> I need you. I need you. I need you. Watch this. Hey, man. Hey, How you doing? doing? What's your name? Gil. Gil. All right. Where do you live, Gil? Menifee. Menifee. Wow. Right up the freeway here a little ways. Off Scott Road up that way? Yes. Wow. How long you lived there? 13 years. Wow. Wow. Where do you work? Uh, uh, in Unemployed? Yeah. <laughs> CIA? No. Where do you work? In Semiconductors. Okay. Cool. Cool. You got a family? Yes. Yeah. How long have you been married? 25 years, uh, eight months. And <laughs> 25 years, eight months. This guy's counting the days. I'm not sure if that's good or bad, okay, but he's counting the days. How many kids you got? I have two kids. Two kids. Boys, girls? Two boys. Two boys. Wow. How old are they? 24 and 14. You know what just happened? We started a relationship. That was so hard. Oh, it was the hardest thing ever, asking those five questions. <laughs> we just started... You know what? All of a sudden, we start finding common ground. Now, I wish this morning I had time to stop and go through the building and talk to every person here and touch every person in this building. I don't have time to do that today. But can I tell you something? There's no reason why every person in this building can't be touched by a friendship and relationship. If we're willing to stop open our hearts, ask questions, and answer questions. Now, the hard part is, can I get back up on that stage? <laughs> Where's Pastor Aaron? Now, that's why you don't wear skinny jeans on the stage, because you can't get back up <laughs> if you get down. But let me, let me tell you about God's design. Can I do that? See, I, I, think, I think some of us haven't been taught that it's God's design to need each other. And we've been taught, stand on your own two feet, do it your own way, you don't need anybody else, you need to stand by yourself. Well, I know in today's world it's different because now we're being taught, our children are being taught, you need the government. If you're gonna make anywhere in life, you need the government. Friend, you don't need the government, you need God and you need godly people is what you need to go somewhere in life. And that's not anti-government, it's just a fact. But here's the thing. We need to understand this. It is God's plan that we need each other. And I'm going to show you some things for Scripture. Ecclesiastes 4, I'm not going to have you turn there, but Ecclesiastes 4 says two are better than one. Two are better than one. And then it gives us several reasons why. Here's what it says. If you get two working together, they have a good reward for their labor. How many of you know that two people can do things that one person can't do by himself? This week I was working on a rental house, and I got to hurry for time, but this week I was working on a, on, a, on a rental house that I have, and I got into some stuff I could not do by myself. And I called Danny Arthur. Danny, where are you? There's Danny right there. I called Danny Arthur, and he came over and helped me 
because he knew what he was doing and I didn't have any idea what I was doing. But Danny came over and helped me and two of us did five times what I could have done by myself in that same period of time. Two are better than one. Another instance it gives, if they fall, one will lift up his companion. But if you fall by yourself, you're on your own. Another example it gives, if two lie down together, they will keep warm. Now, let me illustrate this, because I know in, our, in today's society it's a little weird. How many survivors of the 70s do we have here? Got a few survivors of the 70s. How many remember Three Dog Night? I just want to be, I just want to be, I just want to be your one-man band. Remember that? How about this one? Jeremiah was a bullfrog. Everybody remembers it. All right. Boy, you just start jumping in with me. Three Dog Night. You know where the name comes from? Did you know away up north, in the north part of Canada, up into Alaska, where the natives live in those cold, cold regions, it gets really, really cold there. And you know what they would do? They, you know, they have their, their, their simple huts that they would live in. But when it starts getting really cold, you know what they would do? They'd bring those big husky dogs in and they would sleep with one of those dogs because the dog would help keep them warm. But then when it started getting cold, cold, they'd bring in two of those husky dogs because they needed the warmth. But when it was really dangerous, cold, blizzardy weather, they'd bring in three of those dogs to sleep with them. That's where the name Three Dog Night comes from. Some of you, how many of you didn't know that? How many of you don't care? <laughs> if, two, if, if one lays down by himself on a cold night, he's cold. But if someone is there to give him body heat, there's warmth in that. Next one, it says, one may be overpowered by another, but two can withstand him. How many of you know if somebody's going to attack you, it's good to have a little bit of backup, a little bit of help. And then the last one, it says a threefold, a threefold cord is not easily broken. You can take a piece of string and tug hard enough and it'll break. You wrap two of them together, it's tougher. You put three of them together and wind them together, it's really difficult to break. It's not talking about those things. It's talking about relationships. We need each other. Proverbs 18.1 says, if we isolate ourselves, we're basically saying, I don't want any wisdom. I don't want any help. I'm proud. I can do this all by myself. And I'm so smart. I don't need anybody else along the way. It's literally what it says. But God has created us in such a manner that we need each other. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Let me, let me get on this for a minute. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 talks about ungodly relationships. I mentioned to you earlier, my life is a product of choices, but I learned to make good choices by godly people who influenced my life. And 2 Corinthians chapter 6 talks about relationships, and it says be careful about getting into relationships that are ungodly that are going to bring ungodly influence your way. It says, don't be unequally yoked together with unbelievers, where their name, their lifestyle begins to rub off on you and tarnish you. And then there are really four or five, four contrasts that are given here in this scripture. Here's what it says. 
Does righteousness and lawlessness have any participation? How many of you have ever seen your local cops hanging out with the guys in prison? Lawlessness and righteousness, they just don't have a whole lot in common. Or how about this? Light and darkness. Can't you see light and darkness saying, hey, man, let's go to dinner and hang out, man. Let's talk about what we have in common. Light and darkness have got nothing to participate in because one invades the other. The third contrast it gives is this, what about Christ in Belial? Literally another name for Satan. What about Christ and Satan? Can't you see Christ and Satan saying, hey, man, let's go out to dinner and talk about how things are going in the world. Man, we got a lot in common to talk about. Do you think there's any harmony? Do you think the two of those are going to get together and have a great long conversation and walk out their arms around each other saying, boy, we are buddies for life? In the fourth contrast, he says, what about believers and unbelievers? Now, let me show this to you. It's important you see this. He's not talking about leaving the world and having no, no relationship whatsoever with people around us. But it says believers talking about people of faith and unbelievers, people who are anti-faith. People who want to talk down and put down and discredit, whose lifestyles are totally opposite that of the believer. He says, you don't want to be in tight relationships with those people. Why? Because God has a better idea. Here's what Scripture tells us. Look at, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. I wish I had time to read all through this chapter because there's a whole lot here, but I really don't. But I want to show you just a little bit of the summary of 1 Corinthians 12. Look at verse number 20. We're going to have it on the screen here. 1 Corinthians 12, verse 20. But now indeed there are many members, yet one body. The, the illustration Paul is giving us of the church or God's people is a human body. If you look at the human body, there are feet, there are legs, there are hands, there are arms, there's the upper torso, there are ears, there are eyes, nose, everything that brings in the senses, so on and so forth. And what Paul is saying is, if you look at a human body, there are many members, but they make up one body. And this human body is not fully complete unless all the members are in place properly functioning. What Paul says is, it's the same way with God's people. If you look at the church, if you look at the, what Scripture calls the body of Christ, those on the earth who know Christ, who are doing His ministry, if you look at us, we are one body, but we're many members. We don't all have the same calling. We don't all have the same function. We operate in different ways. God has gifted us to do different things, but we need each other. Verse 20, now indeed there are many members, yet one body. And then verse 21 says, and the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. Can you imagine your head and your feet saying, I don't need you? Can you imagine the different parts of your body saying, I don't need you? We need all the parts of the body. And here it is in a nutshell. We 
need each other. I need you. You need me. We can't do God's work without all of us. We're all different, but we're all supposed to be different. That doesn't mean we can't be one together. It's interesting. <coughs> when you get down to the end of 1 Corinthians 12, it talks first about being submitted to God, and then it talks about using your gifts and <coughs> finding your place in the body. And, th and then it gets down to the end of the chapter, and I want to give you a quick summary of something. If, if you... If you read through the New Testament, and I'm almost finished because I'm going to be brief because we've got the Connect Group Expo a little bit later. But I want you to hear this. As you read through the New Testament, there are three different main places in the New Testament which talks about giftings. One of them is Romans chapter 12. And it's talking about gifts that we really have at birth things that motivate us, things that drive our lives, the way we're gifted at birth, the way God the Father gifts us at creation where there are different things we're just good at and there are different ways our minds work that we just can accomplish certain things. And you know, you can bring one person into a mix and everything can change when you get the right gift in the group. So Romans 12 talks about these gifts the Father gives us. And then Ephesians chapter 4 talks about ministry gifts. Some people call them five-fold ministry. Some call them four-fold ministry. I don't care what you call them. But it talks about the fact that when Jesus finished his earthly work and he ascended to the Father, he began to receive gifts to give to men. And they're, they're gifts that come from Jesus. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. They're callings God places on people's lives to help minister to the body so the body can do the work of the ministry. And then in 1 Corinthians 12, it talks about gifts of the Holy Spirit, what we would call manifestation gifts. Gifts that the Holy Spirit drops into our lives to share with people, to minister to them beyond our natural abilities. Well, here's what's interesting. At the end of 1 Corinthians 12, Paul mentions two or three gifts from each of those categories. Doesn't mention all the categories, but he mentions some gifts from each of those categories. And he calls them out and he says, God's placed these different kinds of gifts in the church. And he finishes the chapter saying, well, do you all do this? No. Well, do you all do this? No. Well, are you all gifted to do this? No. The point he's making is we're not all gifted to do everything ourselves. We need each other. But here's what I want you to see today as I finish my message. I want you to understand this. Just as parts of the body are in place and need the part above and the part below, the parts they're connected to, we're the same way as a church. If we're going to do what God's called us to do, we have got to get the body parts connected in relationship. Some of the greatest stories I hear in our church are stories that come out of our connect groups. Stories of healing, stories of blessing, stories of support, stories of ministry, new friendships, new relationships coming out of connect groups. And it's interesting. Did you know the church, the early church, started out with connect groups? 
from house to house to house to house to house. Those of you who are really spiritual, can I tell you this? Did you know this church was birthed out of a connect group, a Bible study? That's where it came from. And somewhere along the way, as we get bigger, we tend to think, well, if I just show up Sunday morning and get my dose of pastor, that's all I need. No, 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 no. This is part of what you need, but there are other things that you need to receive. And, here, and here's what I want you to see. When we're connected to each other, there are people that you're connected to to whom God will use you to minister. You have something to give to people. You have something to give to people. Me? Yes. You have gifts. You have callings. There are things that God has put in your life that other people don't have, and God will supernaturally connect you with people so that you can minister and be a blessing to them. On the other hand, God will also connect you with people who have things that you don't have that you need for your journey. But if we're not connected, we miss many of God's blessings. See, we, we talk about, you know, especially super spiritual people, we talk about, oh, the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit, the gifts of the Spirit. The gifts of the Spirit do you no good if you're not connected to people to whom you can minister to those gifts. Oh, I just wish God were working my life through the gifts. Well, then maybe you need to get connected with people so God can pour those gifts into your life. And think about this. I'm almost finished. Out of my experience, what, what can we receive from relationships? How about understanding? Have you never, ever, ever needed someone you could just sit down and talk to who could understand where you're at and what you're going through, who would just be an ear to understand? That comes out of relationships. How about trust? Did you ever need someone that you could talk to and share the, the problems you're dealing with that are hurting so deep inside? Have you ever needed somebody you could just open your heart and say, here's what's going on, please help me? Somebody you can trust to not go and blab it all over town? That comes out of relationship. How about honesty? You know, some people will tell you whatever you want to hear. If you want honesty, get with godly people, get in relationship, and they'll tell you the truth in love to help you. What about experience? You know, on a business side, church and ministry and life, some of the greatest advice I've ever received has been sitting over a cup of coffee with a godly businessman saying, here's what I'm dealing with, what do you think? It's amazing the wisdom that will come out of people. But if you're not connected, you're in no place to receive that wisdom. What about support? What about encouragement? What about protection? You know what accountability is? Accountability is just protection is all it is. Some people think, well, I don't want any accountability. Accountability is just protection. It's to help you from making bad choices, keep you from making bad choices, keep you from running down a wrong road. That's all, that's all accountability is. We all need it. What about ministry? What about ministry? You ever need somebody to just pray with you and just say, I'm going to agree with you and I'm going to stand in faith with you until this answer comes? Do you ever need that? I do. You know where it comes from? Relationship. 
I want to pray for you this morning. I'm going to ask everybody here just bow your heads for a moment. I want to pray for you. Father, I pray today you would expand us and not shrink us. God, we're expanded when we're in relationship with godly people. When we shun, move away, and, and say no to godly influence and godly relationships, it closes up our lives and shrinks us. But God, today, I pray you'd expand our hearts and make us open to each other. God, there are people in this room today, they have something to give. Encourage them today to get connected with people so they can give into others' lives. God, there are people in this room who need to receive something. God, help them to see today they need to get connected with godly people so they can receive the blessing you have for their lives. God, help us to know today we need each other. We are not created to do life alone. We need each other. In Jesus' name I pray. Heads are bowed for just one moment. One more moment, please. Maybe you're here today, and maybe, maybe you're not in relationship with God at all. Maybe you've listened to me speak, and you've thought, you know, I need help in so many areas of my life. God wants to give you that help, and he'll begin working in your heart and working in your life and working with you. But he also wants to connect you with people who can help you along this journey. It all begins with, first of all, getting connected with God and then getting connected with God's people. He said here today, maybe God's knocking on the door of your heart, and maybe for the first time ever, you're realizing, I need to open my heart to God. I want to pray for you right now. The way we open our hearts to God is just simple prayer, simple words saying, God, I need you, and God, I want you. Just an invitation to allow God to get involved in your life. I'm going to ask everybody in the room to pray this prayer with me as I close this morning. Everybody, pray this prayer right out loud. Say, God, I need you. And I open my heart to you. Please come into my life and fill my life. I believe Jesus is the Son of God who died for my sins, was raised from the dead. I put my faith in Jesus. I want to learn your ways. I want to live in relationship with you. So from this day forward, you are my Father. And I am your child because of Jesus. Thank you for loving me and receiving me.